0: Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. This episode is powered by DenMeditation.com with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. Though meditation is the primary focus, the bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Hey, welcome to Den Talks. This is Tal, and today we have the most adorable, bubbly, full-of-energy human being here named Lorea Gaston. She's an activist and an artist, And she has founded a Los Angeles-based organization called Lunch On Me, where she feeds the homeless population hot organic meals. It's pretty incredible. She also brings healing to this, and they do monthly activities. So her goal is not only to end hunger, but to enrich their mind, body, and spirit. At this point, they feed almost 10,000 people per month. I mean, it's insane how much they're doing. We chat about so many things here. We chat about the savior complex and energy exchange versus feeling above someone and what you can get from actually helping. We talk about truth and the struggle, how so many of us struggle with what to tell it and to accept it. And we also talk about how people dehumanize the homeless and how we can look at them as equals and understand who they are versus looking at them as a backdrop in Los Angeles. Also, one of my favorite things, she talks about how she's a doer versus a thinker, and I think we can all learn from that. How do we actually act and put intention behind what we're doing versus just constantly thinking about all the things we can't do? And the most important thing, and I think your biggest takeaway from today's episode, is something she calls micro gestures. And by the end of this episode, I guarantee you're going to have a new way of thinking about life and how you want to act every single day, and it's going to be in the smallest little ways, and you're going to be able to do it. Every single person can do it. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. (music) So we're sitting here with Lorraine Gaston who's amazing and so beautiful and has such an incredible presence. She's an activist, she's an artist. She believes that love, light and compassion are truly what's needed for all and concentrates on making sure that those who are marginalized in our society receive them as well. She's the founder of the Los Angeles based organization Lunch on Me. She feeds the homeless population hot organic meals as she believes fresh food is a right, not a privilege, which I love. Her goal is not only to end hunger, but to enrich the mind, body, and spirit. So she also provides healings like crystals and Reiki and does monthly community parties. She believes that the main ingredient missing from most nonprofits is love and seeing people for who they actually are. She makes it a point to remember all of her participants' birthdays, names, and just ask them how they're doing. Her organization, still grassroots, which is this is so impressive, now feeds close to 10,000 people per month on Skid Row. Don't forget at the end of every episode, there's going to be a personal practice where she's going to Leave us with a message of gratitude. I'm so excited to talk to you because just that alone, that you are grassroots, you are not government funded, you're no. still just fundraising on your own. Yes. You feed almost 10,000 people a month and you just don't yes. feed them. You are giving them like organic, hot meals because I've heard you say before,
1: you're like, I'm not feeding
0: them anything I wouldn't eat myself.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's huge to me. I would never give someone less than I'd want to receive. And that's just setting the bar very high when I'm used to organic food. I'm used to the things that I have, like wellness and all these different practices that I've been privileged to be a part of. So that's kind of the structure, the backbone of like when I created lunch for me, what it would look like.
0: That's, that's so amazing. Like talk, one thing you've said before, which I kind of want to talk about first as we go into everything and I want to dig deep is you, you've said charity is a dirty word. Oh yes, and I love that you say that. But can you like expand on that? Like, what does that mean for you? Because a lot of people are like, "What?" Like, we're all supposed to be doing charity. Yes. I I think
1: I know what you mean by
0: that, but yeah. I'm so curious to know.
1: I think um, a lot of times we get into these spaces where I know when I've had conversations with people, when it came to charity, when it came to giving, and we were still in a space that we have to get past, which is related to the ego, which is related to, I'm up here, you're down here, and I'm going to give you what I can. Be grateful for whatever that is. And I've seen that in conversations and energy. And for me, I felt like charity became something different. Like for me, I call it the exchange. Everything to me is exchange when I get into these spaces where I can help people, where I can be a part of oneness, because I believe that's what real oneness looks like. It's not charity. It's me getting into the universal exchange. And that's what it is. And I think charity creates separation.
0: Between. So in a way you're saying like charities, when someone's looking down and like, I'm here cause I can help them because I have, I'm, I, I'm above them. Yeah.
1: The savior complex.
0: Savior, which is, I mean, amazing. I mean, yeah. especially, I love that you bring healing and everything into what you do. Cause I yeah. think that complex actually runs deep a lot in this world as well.
1: And it's subconscious. It's not even something that that people are mindful of, which is why I try and get them to be more mindful because sometimes we get into these spaces, even when it comes to helping those who need more help than us, you know, that are coming from very unfortunate um, backgrounds. People get in these spaces and I see it. I see the separation. I see this idea of I'm here to save you. I'm here to be great. I'm here for Instagram. I'm here for a lot of things that have nothing to do with the person.
0: I mean, side note, does that, I mean, I noticed just like going to like basketball games. Like there are people sitting in front of me, Instagramming and Snapchatting and video, like doing the whole thing the entire time. And you can see the messages really like having the best time. I'm like, you haven't actually been here. For a second or been present. And that's just a basketball game. Are you actually seeing that in moments of like people going down and whether it be feeding the homeless or people doing oh, yes. that there too? Yes, that's crazy to me. Yeah, it, it
1: was very crazy because before I started Lunch On Me, I had went to a lot of different organizations trying to help because I felt like I was able to talk to people in need and reach them. Like, talk to their spirit, their soul. So I always feel yeah. like, let me get in these spaces, let me help, because I know I can. And I had seen that so much. It was very off-putting. And even now I have to remind people whether they volunteer with us or they become part of our team when we're here and we're in this position, you have to like your flawed self cannot be in these spaces. And I've learned that our everyday life, our everyday privilege cannot be in these spaces.
0: So when you say your flawed self cannot mm-hmm. be in these spaces. Yeah.
1: So I mean we all have an ego. We all have these things, you know, like no I don't think anyone just Walking around perfect, but um, it's the mindfulness, it's the self correction that has to take place if we're actually going to change and be of service.
0: Now you've been doing this for fourteen years, fifteen years, fifteen yeah, years. 15 15 years. years. <laughs> Have you seen a difference? Like, as far as do you feel like people are less present or more
1: present? If- I feel like I see a difference when it comes to grassroots efforts in the nonprofit world. No, because. There's been billions of dollars put into these organizations and the problems have worsened. And
0: And why do you think that's the case? Like, what do you feel like the nonprofits are doing?
1: Because I think it's become charity, a dirty word. I think it's become this savior complex. And I believe the money isn't used for the people. I think it's used for people that are in charge of these organizations and the money isn't being funneled in the places that it's supposed to.
0: It's so interesting. I used to, I really struggle with this on a different route. I used to, I travel a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm now a kids, so I'm home more. And I used to try every time I would travel, I'd always try and get in with some sort of grassroots organization and just get to know the people and help mm-hmm. out whatever it is. I don't actually like talking about it because for exactly what you said, it feels sometimes like you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But what I found, what I would come back with, and I never figured out a way And you're doing it. I would be so frustrated because, you know, something would go wrong, like hurricanes this and the Red Cross. And not to say the Red Cross isn't amazing, but...
1: No, I think they're terrible. Okay,
0: well, then you can say But I would have trouble giving my money there because I'd say I've been to so many of these places and I see like... The people who are actually using the money and the ways that they are actually needed, like the people actually need it, like they're actually know what are the needs of my local people for what whatever the issue is, mm-hmm. it's, it's being spent the correct way. And it's all being spent as much as possible. If anything more is probably being spent because people who are part of it just want to keep giving. I'm like, but how, I'm always like, there's a disconnect of how to get to those people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's a disconnect and they're you're doing third it
1: third parties. That's the biggest yes. issue is no one wants to get their hands dirty. And that's the difference between us. We're boots on the ground. Right, which is As amazing. A founder, I'm I will scrub the floor. I will I make meals. It doesn't if you're if you can't be at the top and do the most minute job, then I don't know if you're you're taking your position the way you're supposed to. It's an honor to be. The higher you go, I feel like that's the lower you should place yourself because that, that to me that's where humility comes from. That's where you learn, you know, how important it is. And I think that in the nonprofit world. No one gets their hands dirty, especially people at the top. And that's something that I challenge a lot of people to be in that space where no job, you should never be too good for any job.
0: I mean, I talk about it so interesting that we're talking about it through your world of, you know, nonprofits and charity and helping when really that is just a basis of humanity, period. It's like nobody should ever feel better than or less than. Mm -hmm. It's like we're all equal. We might just have different jobs. We might do different things. Some of us may have more money than others. But, I mean, that always drives me. I say it here, too, just in – you know, a meditation center, like when I founded this place, I was washing the dishes and scrubbing them in the back and doing every job. And I've always said like, no one should ever feel like they're better than something else at all, like in life. So it's just so interesting that what you're talking about really is, it, it just should be universal.
1: Yes. But I think also leaders have to be the ones to set that tone and that bar. So I expect more people in my position, founders of organizations to lead by example, because then that triggers for everyone. everyone realizes it's all about getting things done together collectively. It's not this hierarchy. It's not this idea.
0: Did you always have this feeling like in life, as far as like uh, looking at yourself versus a hierarchy and not a hierarchy, or did it develop more as you started kind of infiltrating and working with the homeless and Or was it just something you always felt or noticed? Did you notice?
1: I think I've always been in that space because of my mother. I think that I never even thought about it. I never thought about being a leader. I never thought of any of those things. I think I just, life put me in those spaces. I looked around. I was like, oh, okay. I accepted it. But I was too busy just being one with people. I've never felt, I've never wanted to be separated. I always felt like people were people. I mean, I fed my first person at 14 before I even knew, what that meant or the exchange I was already creating within that environment. And I
0: want to talk to you about that, but talk about your mom for a second. Yes. What did she do? Cause I mean, you do have this beautiful vision of like, we are all one. It is all love. We mm-hmm. all deserve it. We all give it. We all have it. We should have it. Yes. And, and you're saying you got this ability of self-love and ability to give love from yes. your mom. Like, yes. how did you get that? Cause not everybody is as fortunate.
1: I, and I think I saw both because my mother Um, who I consider my mother, was my grandmother that raised me. And I think that growing up with a birth mother that I was 100% disconnected with. Who was
0: actually your biological mother. My biological mother. Everyone's biological. So your grandmother is biological, but she adopted you.
1: Yes. And um, I felt the separation. I saw the difference. I learned what love was because I saw what it wasn't. And I think in that space, the moment I recognized love from my... Grandmother, which I feel like that was kind of my second chancer. The idea that there are different levels of love. She showed me this infinite thing that I had never seen through anyone, and it wasn't through her teaching, but through her actions. I literally just got the chills as you were talking. Yeah, she's in the room. I get. I mean, really, my my whole body, like back,
0: arms, everything. It was Mm -hmm. so fascinating. Yeah. Still have it. Hi. <laughs> yeah.
1: She sorry, she's very powerful. She's very powerful. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is speed. Yeah. And I think that for me it was I felt like I was a student with a master
0: and I didn't even know it. Can you can we talk a little bit about your bio mom? Yes. And and um so you said when we were talking earlier, you said she had you really early. So it was like a baby having a baby. Yes. But what you just intimated a little bit and hinted at is like you got two different levels of love. And I'm yes. assuming one of those levels was from her. Yes. So what do you mean by that? Like what was the level she was I mean, giving you? I, I
1: feel like she didn't understand love because she doesn't love herself. And I, I mean, recognize that. that's the key of that. everything. Yeah, I recognize that. And you can't be of service. You can't love others if you haven't accepted yourself. And um, she was, I mean, yeah, she's awful. <laughs> so she's, she like, so wish yeah, she was she's terrible. T- so I can definitely say, like, I grew up in an abusive home. I grew up with a lot of like really intense levels of. I mean, the opposite of love, Was she just angry? Do you
0: know what it was? Like, was um, she angry that she had a child because she
1: was so young? Yeah, was so she- I definitely think it was that. I think that she didn't embrace lessons. She didn't see where the light was. It was good. Yeah, and and I think that was the, the opposite of what I learned. I was this optimistic child that was always just in love with life, nature. I was this hippie baby, and it was just different. We were so opposite.
0: Was the grandmother on your maternal side? Yeah. So that's so interesting because- in Com- a- Complete opposite, Because yeah. she- I'm assuming taught the same lessons to your bio mom.
1: Yeah. But I don't think, I mean, you can lead someone to water. Right. But, but that's fa- do Don't you care? think that's fascinating? Uh, no, because I think it's in us. I feel like we, I've learned that whatever we do, I think it's in us. So you can treat someone like gold and they treat you like crap you can treat someone like crap and they treat you like gold i think it's whatever's in us and that calling is is more important than sometimes our own teachings because even with me had i not had my mother i still feel like i would have found the light that i was that was just equally yoked with her but do you, so it clicked.
0: Do you feel like every because I feel like with what you do and you say like everyone's worthy of love and attention mm-hmm. and acknowledgement and everyone has it in them. Yeah. So do you feel like if everyone has that, including your mom, mm-hmm. what do you think it was for her? She just, do you think it was, she was young and had the inability of getting there? Perspective,
1: Perspective is everything. We, you and I can witness the same thing and see something different. Yep. And that's only just off of our experiences in life. You know, I think my, and, and I learned that also because, um, I was also raised a very interesting juxtaposed position. My stepfather, um, raised me as well. So I had two adopted parents. I had my stepfather who was, married, was married to my mom, biological mom. mother. Okay. And, um, he, it was another example, unconditional love. And I had this concept idea of like, it has nothing to do with being related to someone. It's just love. And I think that's the person. That's so
0: interesting. That's sim- like you're in a household that simultaneously you're not getting it from one place and really feeling hurt and getting so much of it simultaneously from someone else. An
1: idea we think that those direct links, like your mother, that and she was the only person I didn't have it with.
0: Well, look, it's fine. My my daughter is adopted, uh-huh. not no biological connection at all. And I say it all the time, like. I forget I didn't actually create no, her. And there's so much connection and love. So it's actually you on talking a soul about level. It. Oh God, on a soul level. Like we were meant to be yes. like forever. That's I mean, That's how knows? I felt with
1: my stepdad. I was born on his birthday. Oh, I wow. felt like we were just like, I just feel like I subconsciously chose him. I was like, let me get in there quick. Because and, that's how, that's, and she was. And, and she was your was, avenue there. Yeah. That's what I was say. Uh-huh. Like you she need an avenue. Vessel. Yeah. Your she was just kind of the third party. Link,
0: link to so I want things. to talk about your, your stepdad and your grandmother yes. slash mom. I don't want, I'll call her yeah. your mom. Is that like how yeah, you I her call heart? her mom? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Your mom. Um, talk to me a little bit. I know you said it was through her actions, not necessarily like she sat you yes. down and taught you lessons, but like, give me some examples. Cause I really do. Every time we mention her, yeah. I get chills. So yeah. clearly so this is a the, woman who just still is giving love and love and love. Yes.
1: So I had this, I had this one, oof, that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, oof. I had this one situation where I grew up with an uncle. She adopted a million kids. She had a th- I had a thousand uncles and, and aunts. legally adopted or yes. like took them in? <laughs> yeah, like took them in, legally adopted wow. some of them. Like I, but I grew up with them. So I had an uncle for a long time. I, ha- I didn't know his story for a long time. He was just my uncle. And come to find out, he had been homeless. My mother had taken him in, raised money for him to get a space. And he just became extremely wealthy because she helped him with what he was doing. She knew that he had a gift. And I think that my mom just recognized um, the light in people, and I think that she always wanted to be assistance to bring that out.
0: And so Deepa, and that's probably it seems like what you got too. You see oh the God. light in everybody. Yes.:
1: Yes, I definitely see it, and I, I mean, I can acknowledge when some things are dark and they're not, you know, light hasn't been able to surface, but a hundred percent, yes, I can see the light in things because I, I think I intentionally put myself in a space to always look for the light because it's not my mother. I mean, that's what we were taught, that there are no bad days. I love that.
0: There are no bad days. Uh-huh. It's, it's it's all perspective. Yeah. I was just having this conversation about perspective the other day, which it's like, if you can shift your perspective, I think everything shifts.
1: Everything shifts because we choose our, our suffering. And I believe that because I, like, I feel like, I mean, just within my days, I always find, I mean, if I have a flat tire in my head, it's I was moving too fast and I needed to take a moment to catch up with the groove with, you know, like That's, it's sometimes it's a gift have, giving you time Yeah, all the time. I feel like we, we have these ideas of time and concept. We have to do this. And then I've always realized when things uh, prevent me from doing something or stop, it's not a bad thing. It's the universe speaking and saying, hey, slow down. Give so talk to second. me about
0: like the few moments you do just get, I mean, you, you can't, yeah. Oh, I mean, or maybe you can, like, are you always positive? Like what are the moments that get you?
1: Yeah. I I mean, it takes, it takes so much to get me to a different space really? and I'm so self-correcting that I will take a moment and find a space to make that light. And I've always been that way. I feel like the only time, um, sometimes with lower vibrations that like this, like this idea where we're not one and we're not connected. Those are things that get under my skin that I, like to help but I usually just put a mirror up to people and help them with that but I don't it takes a lot I feel like every day whatever it is I'm just I'm excited (laughs) like I'm always excited because it's another day it's another opportunity I don't know who I'm gonna meet and I'm always in a space that everything feels like magic every day for me is magic and I see it and you
0: felt like that since you were a kid
1: yeah I think um with third grade I started to recognize synchronicities I started to recognize visions I would have that would come to pass deja vus um, Do you remember like
0: a specific one that yeah, like, so got the, your attention? Yeah the,
1: yeah. the first one I had um, met this gypsy um, and I had met her in my dream before and I was in third grade and I had met her like three, four days later. And I remember like going up to her saying, I know what you're about to say because I met you. And I was little. I didn't understand, but I had known I had met this gypsy woman in my dream days before I met her. And I told her it was a complete stranger. And I was like, I seen you and a couple of days ago. You're in my dream. Did she respond? Yeah, I, I. But before I understood like my own like psychic abilities and things like that, she knew right away that I was psychic because I was already answering things and synchronicities and knowing. But it wasn't. I wasn't scared of it. I thought it was cool. I embraced it. I thought it was really cool. This concept that. You know, you can have premonitions and things like that, and I feel like growing up, that was part of my protection because I did go through a lot, and I feel like angels always put me in better spaces.
0: So, when did your like? How old were you when your grandmother adopted you and became a um, mom?
1: When uh, I, fifth, sixth grade? And then did
0: your mom go out of your bio mom go out of the picture? No, or? she
1: was always was it was like a co- but it's been this weird. Yeah, there was a lot of things that that just wasn't addressed. You know, a lot of families yeah. go through things just to not to Talk not ruffle it. feathers yeah. and do things. So it was kind of always, like, tossed under the rug. And I was very much like, what's under that rug? <laughs> what's there? There's something there. And then they're like, no, 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 no nothing's under that And I was just like, no, no. I see something. I tripped over it earlier. Like, I was just always in that space of, like, truth and real. And and so I always addressed. And I think even as a kid, I always spoke to people's spirit. I didn't speak to the physical, the outward, even with her. Like I would speak to her pain and didn't even know it with my bio mother. And it wasn't embraced because you have to be ready to deal with everything. I mean, truth is, I've,
0: I've realized that truth is one of the hardest things for people. I mean, whether it be their own truth, whether it be listening to someone else's truth, people really struggle with it. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten in arguments with just my my boyfriend, my yeah. my partner. And sometimes I'm like, don't ask me the questions if you don't want to hear the answers. Oh, like, I'm always, I,
1: always, I say that often. I'm like, I'm not the one you ask. And I tell people all the time, like, you have to start with being honest with yourself. I'm like, I'm always going to tell you the truth. That doesn't mean you're going to like what said. I say. Right. Yeah. And I'm OK with it. I would rather someone dislike what I say, but it's real. Absolutely. Come up with things like I just I'm not that person. It just there's a burning in me, to you, be honest.
0: Do you feel like that was something you, not you grew into, but the world grew in around you? Like for instance, what I'm thinking is like kids get away with truth, like babi- yeah. like babies, because it's the cutest thing. And everyone's yeah. like, ha ha ha. They yeah. saw that. And then you're kind of told to shut up with truth yes. for a while. And then weirdly, even though you're told to shut up, then you're also told, no, no, now you need to embrace your truth again. Yes. And everyone's like struggling to figure out how to do that. Yes. And that's either it could be twenties or maybe. There, like, did you find that there was a period for you where you might have been living in it, but it was harder for you to, like, exist in the world that way?
1: So my adopted mother, my grandmother, she was 100% allowed me to be as honest as I could be. Like, so anything like, I could say is incredible crazy, gift. crazy. Her and then my stepfather. My stepfather let me shoot from the hip and say whatever I wanted because it was real. And they knew I was like that. Um, and then there were times, I, I feel like, uh, around elementary, junior high, where... Instead of speaking, I would just be silent. And then that also was not embraced because people feel, because they can feel an energy. Right. You know, when you're, even when you're silent or saying <laughs> something, that's still attacked. It's like, I'm just being... You know, I'm not speaking, and so I got to a point where I was like, eh,
0: "Are you one I, whose face says everything? Like, can you not?" Oh find my god, anything? I can't, I
1: have no facial face at <laughs> right. all, at all. Like people, in so it, like, in, I'm not in, and it saying also energetically, people can feel me, right. and I've I've been told that my whole life. Where someone, even if I'm in a room and I, you know, someone isn't my favorite person, it's clear. They know it. It's so clear, and yeah. I don't even try and hide it at this point. But no, I think there was a moment where I would be silent. And then when I spoke, everyone would fall to the ground because it was the truth. And I've always been a very shattering truth. Like, I just, there's nothing I can do about that. And I would never, I would, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I've learned that like sometimes like my energy is too real for certain individuals that aren't ready to deal. And you know, and not everyone will embrace it, but it's perspective too. You know, sometimes people see it as a gift. Sometimes people see it as a
0: curse. And almost every gift has both sides. Absolutely. There's always the shadow side and the light and side. And I'm
1: going to stick with truth and light. I just can't not. I always feel like if you
0: stick with truth, ultimately, I mean, I I had my own lessons of having to learn that the hard yeah. way, unfortunately. And like ever since then, I'm like, oh God, like I'll never go back. It's yeah. just, I'd rather have people walk away. I'd rather yes. insult people. I'd rather upset <laughs> it because at least I can stand up tall.
1: Well, it has to go somewhere. Yeah. And I realize that when you keep things in and manifest in your body, and it becomes illness. It becomes sickness. And I've seen it break people down. And for me, I can feel when something is, is trying to stay in my body, you know, especially when it comes to not speaking the truth. And I have to let it out. I don't care. I let it out. I just can't whoever it is, whatever it is, I just, it doesn't matter. And I've been like that my whole life. I didn't care what the repercussions were. I did not care. I wasn't even worried about it. I was worried about that moment in letting out whatever was in.
0: What advice do you give people who you know? I mean, I'm sure you know a million of them who really do just struggle with it. Like what advice do you give? Like how can people even start understanding that truth is okay?
1: Well, I think it starts with listening to your heart in silence. I feel like a lot of people don't listen. Your heart tells you everything you need to know. And a lot of people silence that and allow their minds to be so much louder. So I tell people all the time, start with that. Have a conversation with your heart, what you really feel. Because you can't be truthful to other people if you can't be truthful to yourself. And you have to know yourself. You have to put yourself in a space to learn who you are. And I always tell people, start with your heart, because that's how my mother was with me. And she knew that when I would say things, it came from my heart. So she would never deny me of my truth or what meant something to me because she knew where it was coming from.
0: So uh, let's go from that. So love and self-love in and heart. You you work with the homeless. You've been working with homeless since you were 14, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's just unbelievable. Um and y- your whole point is like there are people too, we're all equal. And yes. you see that love and truth in them. Why do you feel like some people struggle with that ability of doing that, especially with the homeless?
1: Well, I think because they have been dehumanized. I think the way we have shown, introduced our homeless in the media, you know, these ideas, I feel like it's come from such a negative place. Um, What I hear more than anything, when I ask people, like, well, why haven't you ever helped the homeless? Or what what is it about them that you can't speak to them? They're people. And they say, like, in their head that they've chosen this, that they must be drug addicts. Like, there's very specific narratives that people have decided for other people's lives—that's their fault. And yeah, and I feel like the whole concept of you don't judge a book by its cover—it's almost like that's only for people who aren't homeless. But then everyone <laughs> who's homeless, you gave them a whole different set of rules and ideas. And it, a lot of it comes from ignorance. And I and I have to call that out. And I have to be very very specific with people. And I I, let, I explain to people, you haven't how many homeless people have you met and just become friends with or just seen not looked past. And I think it comes... I mean, people, they're people. They're not robots. You're going to have good situations. You're going to have bad. A lot of them are so hypersensitive to energy. If you come to them with that dogmatic concept, that savior complex, you're going to have a negative experience. When people have negative experience with a homeless, I already know energetically how they approach the situation. Interesting, Because I don't have those. And I've been doing this for 15 years. And so I have a lot of experiences, exchanges under my belt to be able to say... Majority rules. And it depends on how you, you present, you, you come into a situation. And you have to be responsible for your energy. I don't think a lot of people are responsible for the energy that they bring into an environment.
0: So, talk about that because you've used the word, I've had a lot of energy exchanges. You've used yes. the word, you've basically been saying these are exchanges, yes. which I love, which also, like you said, makes it equal. So, can you expand on that a little bit and what you're saying that people aren't aware of what they're bringing to the table?
1: Well, I think our energy, um, I think that our thoughts manifest through our aura. And if you have dark thoughts, your aura has a dark energy. When you have light thoughts, your aura has that same light and embrace. So I think that we can't hide those things, especially to people who are embracing energy more than they are just this physical concept and idea. If you're sensitive to energy and vibration, then you could recognize that. And I think that when you're dealing with people, especially um, our homeless street family. We like to call them the street family or wildflowers. That's my name for them.
0: Wildflowers. That's
1: beautiful. And so a lot of times when people come in those energies, they already come as though this person is negative or like they kind of project this energy that's already pushing them in a way and not embracing them instead of just being neutral and in meeting someone. And I, and I see it a lot with people where they'll, they'll do it out of obligation. It doesn't come from the heart. I'm, right. I'm going to I'm going to do this out of charity, out of obligation instead of, wait, this is gratitude. I've been given so much. Why don't I share?
0: So let's talk about that. I'm sure there's a ton of it coming from ego, like you said. And oh, my God. About it earlier. Yes. And then so let's talk about the difference of like intention and ego versus action. Like what, how do you decipher the difference and is it still worth doing or should you
1: check it before you do it? you know what I mean? Like, are those
0: actions still worth it, even though they might be driven by ego?
1: Yes. I think that we, I mean, everything, the more you do something, you can refine and learn, you know, sometimes we get so stuck in our head that we don't take action and that's not good.
0: Yes, And sometimes
1: if you mess up, let that lesson be a part of your adjustment, your correction. So I encourage everyone, and I, and I tell people all the time, the whole, like, the, the whole concept, if you want to change the world, you go home and love your family. Start with your environment. There are homeless people everywhere. We can't escape it okay. now in California. So yeah. your grocery store, everyone has their go-to grocery store, their gas station. There's homeless people there. Let that be your first introduction because that's someone that will consistently see you. Just say, hi. How are you? I'm going into the store. May I get you something? just something that simple. It's just coming from a kindness, a love. I can help you. So I'm going to try. And that's embraced more than this idea this judgment. Don't have, don't have a preconceived notion of someone until you had an energy and exchange with them. Don't let, you know, their upkeep their be the judging factor. You know, we have people that they won't hug someone that's homeless. And I'm like, because they couldn't take a shower like that's to deprive someone of touch of love. Like, is insane it's beyond me and you have to come into a clear mind clear space and just say you know I'm going to the situation with open heart and that's it I don't I don't think hard like there's no like there's not a lot of thinking I just do and whatever comes from that I'll reevaluate later but I go into spaces just with love hi I've seen you a while you're in my neighborhood I see you every time I get gas I would love to know your name that's simple. And that is so simple. You talk a lot about micro gestures. Is oh that like God, in your yes. mind a micro gesture? Yes, because I feel like um, we focus so much on the big picture. We focus on the fact that there's fifty eight thousand homeless people in LA, but you could feed one. Right. You know what I mean? There's walking, millions need a of supermarket people. And getting them a sandwich. If we all fed one person a month, no one will go hungry.
0: I know it is insane that we have such a huge problem in the United States. Yeah. I mean, just by who we are mm-hmm. as a nation, it's insane.
1: Yeah. We, and, and, and the waste
0: we have alone. but And,
1: and it also, and I, and I think it's all of our responsibility. It's all of our fault.
0: Because Absolutely. Because we,
1: you know, we, we point the blame on government and these things. But what are we doing to it? And contribute? like you just
0: said it, if we all just fed one. Yeah, I mean just
1: one person. It's a micro gesture. I tell people all the time, you don't have to feed 10,000. Just feed one. That's it.
0: I mean, that's beautiful. Say that again, because I feel like (laughs) that's so easy.
1: And also say it in what
0: you're saying. It's like, just go to your supermarket. Someone's right there. Yeah.
1: And it's consistency. You're building community. Just one person at a time. If you can't feed 10,000 people, just feed one. It's all about doing what we can. And and a lot of people don't even do what they can. They fall short of that. We all can help. Everybody. We waste more in our fridge than the amount of people we feed. And you have to think about that.
0: I remember I used to throw... Back when I had more of a life, I used to throw like a lot of parties and I remember we used to throw Super Bowl parties. So there'd be a ton of food Yeah, and I'd always end up like, my friends would stay actually and help me. We'd package up all Mm -hmm. the food and then we would, I would just drive around by myself for like an hour. And it was, but the weird thing is I'd be going to all the usual places to like drop off food. And I can't tell you how many times weirdly those nights. They wouldn't be there. And yeah. I would be so upset. I'm like, wait, what is happening? Like, yeah. actually I'm ready. And it but I would drive and drive until like, I could find a lot, if, even if they were sleeping, like I'd leave it by their side, yeah. something. But cause I was like, this is so much food. And the idea of this just being thrown out, especially in Los Angeles, where yeah. we all walk out our doorstep and you can't avoid it. Yeah, we so you know it's there. It. We all know it's there. And
1: you have to look where it hurts. A lot of yeah. people look at the homeless as part of the backdrop of LA. And that's been a thing. I've noticed that because I, I, um, I mean, I, I talk to homeless people every single day. So when I see someone and then I see people stepping over them, you know, it just happened to us a couple of days ago, this guy was passed out on the street and he looked like he had had a stroke. He couldn't move. His eyes were like, so we like jump out the car, Celeste and I, and Venus is in the car. It's literally us three always like doing these baby missions and we run out and we're helping this guy get up. He couldn't get up. He had fallen. He was an older elderly man and people were walking over him. It was right in front of a major store and people just walked over him. And I'm just like, and he's elderly too. So it was just this idea of like, if someone did have a stroke, he couldn't even ask for help. And no one was just mindful enough to just check on him. These are micro gestures. Hey, are you okay? We're existing in the same space. Are you okay? Can I get you something? It's just, I feel like this, this kindness, it's mindfulness, it's intention. I intentionally put myself in a space to be of assistance to him because he needed help. And he, sat, he, he wanted us to stay with him for an hour. He didn't even want to leave us. <laughs> like He did not want us to leave. And he had said to us, it was very, very hard to hear. He looked at us. We helped him up. And he saw people walking over him. he said, no one loves me. Oh my God. And that's the first thing he said to us. And that was heart-shattering. It's like makes me sad. Yeah, it's, it was heart-shattering because everything in front of him made his, his comments correct.
0: So when you got to know him a little bit in that hour, yeah. like, what was his story? Like, who did he have? Does he have anyone? No,
1: he was from New Mexico. He'd come to L.A. He didn't have any family. Um, and he just didn't have anyone. He was by himself. And he just... I'd I'd asked him if he had family. He said, Well, you guys are my family. And that was his only. This is an hour of knowing someone and just knowing that, you know, just that one moment meant so much to him. It wasn't about literally my (laughs) shit. I know, sorry. But this just happened a couple days ago. This was just a couple days ago. And he needed help up. But just that concept, that idea, it's, it's, I can help, but it's more of looking at people that, that walk over people, we have to self-correct. What is it that's in you that would allow you to walk past someone's suffering? What is it that's in you yeah. that can help but won't?
0: Well, what's getting me, obviously, I mean, I'm like kind of a mess back here. but <laughs> I'm um, a mess too. For, so, I'm always a I'm mess. Really, but what, what triggered me and all that is the idea of someone feeling unloved completely. Like that, yes. like I say I can't even say it. Like the idea that there's not one person. iota of anything that gives someone love. Like they have no, like when we're yeah. talking about, you have to see the light, you have to see the positive. It is so much harder to do that if you don't have one support of Maladine. love, just love, just love. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be clothes. It doesn't have to be a home. It doesn't have to be yeah. just knowing there's someone who gives a tiny bit of a shit.
1: Yeah. And so and, the fact and, that like to yeah. him
0: that really have like, none of it, and then just have it be validated. Yeah. Uh, Because it is so easy. I mean, I think why it's bothering me so much is I think it's so easy from just a smile or a hello to a stranger on the street, homeless or not homeless, for someone to feel validated. Yeah. And that to me is like an iota of love. Yeah. And so to feel devoid of that
1: is like so extreme. And that just like makes me really hurt. And we feed... Thousands of people a month that don't have that. We hear that story every day. We have to it's it's very overwhelming to be in a space where you recognize the only love people get is when you show up.
0: I mean, so now we're going to that. What one of the things I want to talk to you about, and I think it kind of fits in here, is your goal of what you do. I mean, obviously ultimately it's to end homelessness and end like hunger. Obviously, yes. that's your big goal. But you do it differently in the sense your day-to-day goal isn't just that. You're 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 systemically trying to fix it with love and like after having this conversation I mean I understood it before but now I feel like I feel it in a very different way and it's fascinating so what do you see when you give these yes these organic meals are amazing I don't want to detract from that at all. I mean that's incredible and the fact that you go out of your way and do that I don't know even how you do it just just from a business standpoint that's incredible but when they get this little doses of love yes What changes do you see? And how does that then help you get to that final goal of ending homelessness
1: and hunger? Well, I think for us, it's empowering people to love themselves because this homeless issue, you have so many people who don't have love, so there's no motivation to change their situation. And empowering people to love and save themselves is our entire mission, our goal. Food is a tool. It's not about the food. It's never been about the food. Food is a... Physical gesture that I can show you, I love you, but it's not about the food. It's about the intention to nourish and care for someone. And for us, that has changed more lives by just empowering them, just showing up because these are the most resilient people you'll ever meet. They have suffered well. If I was in those spaces, I would not be so peaceful. The peace that I have is because I have privilege to have access. To my own peace and enlightenment. These people don't have this access, and yet they hold more peace than the average person that has access. They are holding peace in spaces that they're suffering. It's the most insane thing you'll ever see, someone to go without love, to go without food, without shelter, and still be a gentle, kind soul that's still optimistic enough to hope for it and to want it and to embrace it when it shows up.
0: And look, it's what we do here. Obviously, the difference here is we do it with people who have access. Yes. But I mean, our whole goal here is like get to know yourself and get to love yourself because it just – you can handle anything when you have that. And it's it's fascinating that you bring, and I love that that's what you do. You also bring healing. I mean, yes. you do Viki, you said, and you do yoga, yoga, breathwork, breath meditation. Work, meditation. I mean, crystals. and do you see that effect. Like, yes,
1: because they're healers. There's so many healers up there that never had access to their own healing and their own powers. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. When you're is. looking at
0: this community, which is large, so within healers, a community, you're going to have. A, angels. Do you feel like there's? It's actually a more than there's one. There's more expect? enlightenment
1: there than I feel. Out here. On, yes. And I live in both worlds. Yeah, there's a house community and a yeah. home, homeless community. I feel there's more enlightenment. There's more consciousness oneness in those spaces than I feel in any meditation place, any holistic retreat I've been to. I feel like- there, it's nothing compared to the energy and the light that I feel in those spaces. Do you it's believe powerful? in reincarnation? Do you- oh my God. Yes. I do past life regressions. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. So, Oh, absolutely. This is not my first. Do you ever rodeo. do past life regressions with them? Um, I've had a couple of visions with certain people and I, I'll pull them to the side and tell them what I've seen. Yes. But yeah, I, a hundred percent, this is not my first rodeo. <laughs> absolutely not. I've been here so many times and yeah. I, and I, I can, I remember Different times. And I've traveled to places that I had lived before and knew the areas.
0: And when you conceptually speak about stuff like this with um, people in your community there, how do they respond? Is there like a general sense of the same type of belief or different beliefs or?
1: Oh, there's so much openness because they've had so many. I feel like. We have so much stuff, right? Where, you know, from bills to working to all these things, we have to find time in solitude. These people are in solitude for years. Ugh. They're in their spaces. You know what I mean? It's yes. almost like retreats they didn't sign up for. Right. not sign long, up silent for. retreat. So they have so much time to spend with themselves. And when we're bringing a whole new energy, I realize it's so in alignment with what they've prayed for. A lot of them have manifested us coming to them just out of love, out of wanting those things.
0: Do you feel like if people would look at it more that way and understand like these people have spiritually gone through such an evolution in some ways, and I, again, I hate using the word superior or less than, but in some ways as far as that growth, they've done so much more than oh my the God. average Joe Schmo who's living in enlightened. It's like if people look at it that way, do you think that would equalize the field when people are coming in to help? Like what we were talking about yeah. before, how to help check the ego yeah. and how to help bring yourself in a different way and show up in a different way.
1: Yeah, I think that it starts with actually seeing someone, you know, standing in front of someone and looking at someone's spirit and yeah. their soul and recognizing. I've been in spaces where I've recognized people that are way more enlightened than me, way more, you know, just in this space because they're on a mission every day and it's different. They speak to angels. It's, it's, it's the most insane thing I've ever seen. Like the first person I fed was an angel. He disappeared in front of me and I had no idea. At 14. 14 years old. I was speaking to him. I turned around and grabbed him a drink and turned and he was gone and there was nowhere for him to go. It was the most insane thing. And I and to, I, I I've only been comfortable saying that in enlightened spaces in certain, you know, I can't really say that in in um some of the mo- more conservative places that I do things because right. you know the whole idea of my life was a for <laughs> people. And I'm like, okay, I can't really explain to people what no, it's like. And you're ultimately tangible to get
0: people right
1: to understand that. So I've seen, I mean, from finding God, from being in one with the universe, I found it in those spaces. I didn't find it in church. I didn't find it in organized ideas or concepts. I found it by being in the exchange and of service.
0: Now, when did it become, this is pretty full time for you at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I still, you, I know I, you're an I, I'm artist, a designer and art design, director. You do everything.
1: So I still do that stuff. Yeah.
0: But so at 14, like what, I mean, and I, I don't want to dwell on it too much because all this yeah. is so amazing, but like you had your first experience yeah. eating homeless at 14, he disappeared. Was kind of a sign. And from that point on, you were always finding feeding. ways, right? I kept
1: feeding has come to find out my uncle who had been homeless that I was saying that my mom adopted. I started in his restaurant. So I was getting food from there, taking it. I wasn't he's supposed to. Yeah, he's still alive. So um, I was I was taking the food and that's where it started. And then one day I told my mom about it because he was like, you can't do that. You can't just give people food. There's liabilities. Like, you know, I don't have a nonprofit. I'm right. 14 years old just giving people food. Like, away this from makes sense. Down. Yeah. It just, I wasn't even thinking that far. Like I said, I don't do, a, I don't think too heavily on certain things I just do and then I'm like oh and I like listen and take on things but I had went to my mother because I had been having all these moments with different people who are homeless from different walks of life and I was having unearthly experiences and they were light they were beautiful they're just things and then I noticed when I would go to church with her I didn't feel that so one day I told her, I'm tired of tidying. I don't want to tide anymore. I'm a teenager. I'm like, mom, Like I just want to feed people. And she's like, you can do that. And she gave me this blessing. She was like, you don't have to tide in a church to be a part of the exchange. Because my mother was like, you just have to do your part, whatever that is. And that was the first time because I had, you know, I mean, growing up in the church, growing up heavily... It didn't resonate with it, and I didn't realize it resonated with it till I had seen what God really looked like outside of it.
0: I want to go back though for a second. You just have to do your part, whatever that is. Yes. that's a
1: lesson because I know My you're like, she she did told it in me actions, that as a teenager. But to yes. Me,
0: that is an unbelievable lesson yeah. as a child to get because you automatically, somewhere, even if it's tucked back away for other people, there's something about like purpose, purpose, yeah. purpose, but have a purpose, yes. be purposeful. Yes. You know?
1: And my mother was a faithful tither. Oh my God. She was just, that's who she was. She made sure she contributed. I mean, she did more than tie. Like, I feel like she probably would tie 40% of everything that she had because right. that's who she was. And, but it was something that I had seen constantly. And it was, it was not mindful. It was, Oh, I'm contributing to this church. I'm can I, anyone, anyone, nonprofit girl scout, whatever it was, she said no to no one. If she didn't need half the things that she ordered, you know, kids, I'm raising this money. Okay. I'll order something. That's just who she was. And it was doing her part. And she always told me that I don't care how you do your part. I just need you to do it. And so that for me, I was encouraged. I was excited because my way of helping was embraced. And I feel like sometimes we make these narrow ideas of what helping is. And I tell people, like for us, it can be money, time, food, or talent. I don't care which one you contribute. And it's whatever resonates with you. And to me, that's when you can help because you're embracing others' gifts. Because, you know, when I have a yogi, I'm like, I don't need you to bring me food. I need you to have free classes for the homeless. Right. I need you to bring your gift. And that resonates more with people because you're also being used in your purpose. And you're seeing them. To give in a different way. And it's recognizing what are your gifts and how do you use them to benefit others? How do you do that?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so true because like there are so many, I mean, there's a little bit of a bullshit factor sometimes yes. because there, are especially in Los Angeles, so many healers and- know a lot of us and I'll include myself we can talk a big game and it's like but what are you doing and how yeah. can you then translate what you do well
1: ancient teachings it wasn't yeah. to, it wasn't for the wealthy these ancient teachings didn't come travel from across the world to go to Beverly Hills it was for community to be better collectively how
0: do you feel do you deal with like the exhaustion factor of like So much calamity sometimes and so much going on. People don't know where to start or people get overwhelmed. Or for instance, like this is a small example, but with all the hurricanes, Uh, we were trying to like do so many fundraisers, like come for free. And like, if you can leave a donation, great. And everything we're going to send to whatever, whatever. I mean, it got to the point like no one was coming and we couldn't believe it. We're like, what? This is so sad. And then we realized like people are just exhausted by the whole thing. Yeah. And And that's privilege to be exhausted from being a witness. Agreed.
1: (laughs) No, agreed. It was really even that sh- concept is you're exhausted from watching. Imagine the person like Who's suffering. my it? family is from Puerto Rico, so I'm like I know. you know my I just friend's family too. It's I awful. just I we, I we just went to a fundraiser um, for Puerto Rico just on Tuesday at the Laugh Factory because it's like just because you guys aren't seeing what's happening doesn't mean it's still, without still happening. So so, so what do you privilege? do about that? I guess it is to me, it's Stop looking at the big picture and figuring out how you can contribute with micro gestures, showing up, donating spreading the word. When you, have, when you have the floor, make it mean something. Speak for people who don't have a voice. And that's something for me, like that's a micro gesture. No one will listen to the homeless, but they'll listen to me. So when I speak, I speak of them.
0: I love that. So when you have the floor, make it mean
1: something. Yes. And so I think that all of those things contribute. And we have to look at that. What are our gifts and how can we be of service? Um, supporting any way you can. If you have an opportunity, you you are so blessed to be an opportunity to be a blessing because all of it comes back to you. So you're actually being put in a position to receive more.
0: So talk about that a little bit, which I think people underestimate Yes, of what giving and be participating in an exchange. I want yes. to say that actually participating in an exchange, what the exchange actually
1: is as far as their side. I don't think people realize what part of the exchange happens. Well, energetically it's, when someone is coming to you with a need, whatever it is, and to do something as small as donate a dollar to someone or $5 to a kid selling M&Ms for his basketball tournament, whatever it is, even if it's not. I've told kids, you're not doing that. You're buying new shoes. Your shoes are new. And he's like, yeah. Like I've <laughs> like called kids out and say I'm still going to give you the money because it's, it's participating when there's a need and being a joyful giver. Like that's really what it is. It's feeling honored to be in a position because be, when I give... It comes back to me so fast, it's almost overwhelming. The amount of things I've been given, I'm just like, oh God. Like, and it's one of those things, it's like I'm always helping and I'm given 20 times more than it makes me want to give out more. And I recognize I'm given these gifts because I believe the divine trusts me with distributing it in the right places. And but it's my mindfulness of knowing any opportunity I can help support someone. I do it. And that becomes a domino effect. I have fed so many people that people run up to me like, hey, you fed me. They remember this moment. I don't even remember them Not because amazing. I probably fed kind of, half of L.A. But isn't that almost amazing? Like, I'm sure moments you're like, oh, God, I don't remember them. But yes. then
0: think about that beauty is like, oh my I have God. fed so many that yes. I don't remember them. How oh, my great. God. I
1: had a guy just chase me down. I spoke about him. I hadn't seen him in a year. He just chased me down at um, a drugstore. I went to go in there to pick up something. He was like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and he was like, we went to eat one day. He like, was talking to me and I gave him a hug and I gave gave him uh, money to go get food. And it was so cute because it was something simple. He asked me to go in the store. All he said, he was like, can you get me a gift card to, I don't want to say any restaurant names, but he was like a gift card to this restaurant. Cause I just want to get food. And there's one right here. He didn't ask me for money. He asked me to give it because he just wanted it for food. So I went and I got him two gift cards. He was skipping. <laughs> like he just ran right to go get the food. He's like, all right. He gave me a hug. He's like, I'm going to get dinner right now. And he was skipping. And just that idea it was only 10 bucks to get him two meals. He wanted two $5 sandwiches. And he was skipping. It was the idea I could have been, oh, I can't do that. Oh, you know what I mean? It was one of those, oh, I don't have cash. I was like, no, I'll go in the store. I'll find your gift card and I'll go get it for you. Just the impact that had on him and the exchange of the energy I gave him and the light that was poured into that moment, the way that comes back on me is, that's overwhelming. How I've been given that same energy tenfold.
0: It's so interesting. I When I lived in Spain in Madrid, there was a guy there was like a drugstore slash restaurant that I used to go to all the time. And there was like a homeless guy who would stand out there all the time. Mm -hmm. And we had like a really nice relationship and I would always like bring him out food, whatever. And it was my last week. And I remember, I'm getting sad even talking about it. And I remember being like, oh God, I have to go see him. Like I have to say goodbye. And he just- wasn't there the entire last week and it like still it still breaks my heart that I'm like and then I was gone and like he pro- I mean I don't know he may never have gone back I have no clue yeah. but I'm like it was so like it was such a huge part I mean of my experience living there I was there for the whole year that it was so sad to me like the and my point is the energy like the disappointment I had yeah. that I actually couldn't say goodbye to that
1: person was huge because the impact he had on your heart for sure and, and it was that's like, I look forward to seeing him like all and the that's time. the exchange but look at the light that he brought You know what I mean? It's energy. I'm telling you, when you're in those spaces, they're just the most loving, wonderful beings. If we come into those environments with love, with open hearts, open minds, you're going to have a beautiful experience. Yeah. I've seen it over and over and over and over again to the point where I'm like, is the universe listening to me directly? Because I can't make up some of the stories and conversations people have had with people after we've spoke with I mean, I have a guy right now that's helping me develop our app. We're working on a, a lunch with me app. And he was very conservative. Didn't want to help the homeless. He was just like, I'll help you with the app, but I don't really want to do this. Like very, you know, He's I mean, just- it's, arrogance. It's LA. I don't expect anything different. And I was like, okay, whatever. Thank you. You know what I mean? It was one of those, he didn't want to deal with them directly, but he wanted to share his gift. So I embraced it. And I said, one day, you know, just come feed with us. And he'd be like, no, no. Then one day I got this random shipment of 5,000 cans of soup that just happened recently from an organic company. And he happened to be there that day we were working on the app. I'm like, I need you to help me. And he felt it because he was like, oh my God, like you're bringing in this much. Like he, he physically got to see He's like you a help. serving five thousand cans of organic soup. Like he he got to see that where he was like realizing, oh my god! Like, do you know how many people you're feeding? How much food this is? And I'm like, yeah. Week later, he sends me a text message. There was a homeless man that um is right outside of his building. He was like, well, I always saw him and I always want to say hi. He brought him in to shower. To his house. Oh,
0: I love He that. sends me a
1: picture of him showering in his house. And he was like, he's from my hometown. They're both from Seattle. Like, it was this weird, like, he was like, he's from my neighborhood. He's homeless. I let him shower. I'm getting him clothes. But it was this moment that he he listened to himself. He put himself in a space where before he had a very arrogant perspective of people in that situation. Then he found out, like, he was a foster kid. He was by himself. And he became homeless because no one ever, died. after his foster care 18 years old, he was homeless. 50% of foster kids become homeless in six months. And so even a the big system. part of the
0: pop- homeless population from the foster system. Like, yeah, there's 28,000
1: foster kids in LA and only 1,400 are being adopted. So that's 14,000 kids that will become homeless.
0: It is so sad. Isn't that Covenant House actually mm-hmm. tries to help house. with that gap, right? Because mm-hmm. it's...
1: But they can only do so much. They they're so 000, small. I know. 14,000 kids in LA. And they have a 90% chance of being incarcerated. 90%. I, so they'll have a, a record because these are kids. Kids that I are know, being... And
0: people don't realize so much of like how much of opportunities you're given really does change the trajectory of your life.
1: I mean, we, we work like, with a restaurant right now and we have foster kids um, washing dishes at um, a restaurant in the Grove. And it's crazy because, I mean, this the opportunity is changing everything for them. Yeah. Because no one's hired them. There's been kids that have gone to job fairs for a whole year and no one would even look because they didn't know how to make a proper resume. Right. Just, they don't have guidance. You gotta think about it. Imagine just an 18-year-old being thrown to the world, that that idea of never having love. Speak to foster kids. They've never experienced love because they were another check. That's all it is. The foster care system is not people caring. It's they're collecting checks off of kids. And these kids know that they're not loved because when you've experienced both, you know the difference. I mean, I have kids that just will message me to say, can you take me to start a bank account? Because they're intimidated because they're kids and they have no one to help them. So they don't want to walk into a bank because you know, they're, they're still kids. No, it kills and me. and it's, kids so it's little things. Everything. It's, it's just little things to just be like, yeah, of course I'll go with you. It's your first check. Of course I'll take you to go. And it's just that, that support. These are these micro gestures of if people can mentor kids, especially foster kids, I tell everyone to, if you can mentor a child, do it. You have no idea what that does for them because they're figuring out life themselves. It's so true. I mean, if you go to that mentality that
0: you were talking about before that people feel like they put themselves in the situation, they deserve mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, and then you, you take the kid perspective. It's like, and there's so many kids in the system, as you mm-hmm. said, it's like, how did they deserve, like, they never even got a chance. They never yeah. even got a chance to fuck up. It's well, like, yeah, <laughs> you,
1: you see an adult and I, and I tell people that was the foster kid that's been homeless for 20 years. Cause no one ever helped him yeah. 20 years. Not one person said, are you okay? And that's what it is. Like most of the people that we service are from foster care. You know, a lot of them just were never adopted and they've been on the streets the whole time. So they've made communities within there, but they've never had family. They've never known what love is. You'd be surprised how many people they just never even been in love before because they have just they've went from being kids to on the streets. And every day they thought about surviving and getting food. And that's it. They how, haven't.
0: how important have you noticed community and family? And by family, I mean any version yeah. of family, not necessarily like biological family, but how much have you noticed that that is so important or integral to like personal success? And I don't mean success. Yeah. Wealthy wise, I um, mean, success, just it's shifty. emotional success. It changes
1: you because you notice, I mean, how long can you go without love before you give up? Yeah. Like really we, people give up and they have love around them support. How long can you go without food, without your everyday basis? No love, no one validating you. And the system's telling you you need to get out of that hole that you've been put in because and you need to find ways to love yourself. And you've never even known what love was. You've or never had to an, do it. you've never had an encounter with it. So the things that we do, they're magnified. The small things we do, you would think we are, I can't even explain to you, something as small as I brought a a girl cupcake at midnight. She talked about it for two years because it was her birthday. I'd asked her if she could have one wish in the world. She was like, for someone to remember my birthday. She's like, it's been five years since someone said happy birthday to me. And that concept or idea of like, you don't think about those things. That's why we started our birthdays, celebrating birthdays, because you don't think, oh my God, they don't have any friends. It's your birthday. You're walking around and you've probably had bad interactions. People not knowing, you know, i fed people on their birthday. We're like, thank you. This is my birthday meal. And you just don't think about it because it's privilege we we so have privileged. friends we have and so i've noticed like these micro gestures people have held on to them because it's the only form of love that they have and that's changed them so it's little things it's because it's not what it is it's their first introduction to love and that for them oh my god it you should see it there's a guy um that loves celeste one of our team members Every day we go down there with food, he has new artwork. He draws and paints for her every day. Oh, that's so sweet. Every day, but he does it on cardboard boxes. He doesn't have any supplies. So he just finds things and draws stuff for her every single
0: day. Celeste in the room, so I have to ask her, how many of these things do you have? Sorry, how many of these things do you have?
1: Numerous. Probably over, close to 30 now. Wow. I- I- Every time he That's sees amazing. her. And he like comes to me and he's like, I'm going to go to art school so I can get really good. I think he just wants to make even better artwork for her. <laughs> <And> <laughs> You're his muse. I love it. <laughs> yes. And it's, but it's the micro gesture. She took time out to talk to him. And from that moment, every time he's seen her, he has a gift for her. All the time. They give us so many gifts. It's like, it's the most, like, it just makes you cry because. Like they're so selfless and they don't they have anything. They built me, I right. ha- they built me a bike whoa <laughs> they built me a whole bike because you know uh some of those people have bikes and that's their only means of transportation and i kept i always talk about their bikes because they make them out of like recycled pieces they find pieces and junkyards and they make these bikes they're like wally bikes if you ever saw the movie yeah. wally. it's just like these bikes and but they work they made me a whole bike out of all recycled pieces and they took like six months to do it and they brought it like I was getting it. It was so cute because they rolled in like I was getting the vehicle. It was just the cutest thing ever. But they took the time to make me an entire bike. And it's just like insane. Like those acts of love. They took all this time, the entire bike. The only part on the bike that was brand new was the seat. And the whole bike was like, it was the coolest thing. It looked like art. It was the most beautiful thing. And just the idea of you doing these things for them. They're so used to being a part of the exchange, right? Like doing for each other. Cause everything that they do, it's survival too. Sharing because, oh, I have a meal today. I'm going to share with you. Hopefully you'll have a meal tomorrow and you can share with me. That's kind of the mindset, especially um, with the homeless. And so when you give to them, their automatic thought is, how am I going to give you, give back to you because I'm so grateful? How am I going to find ways to give back to you? And they always—I mean, if only like we ways. all
0: could just bring that into our day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would all just be treating everybody a lot nicer. Yeah, there,
1: there's a lot. There's a lot of love and, and compassion and kindness because they're constantly trying to repay us. Anyway, they can't. I've had them bring forks, plates, donating. It's hard to get people that are housed to bring to plates, forks, and water bottles. You have homeless people saving up like a dollar, two dollars to go buy us plates to go by us, just to be a part of the exchange. Like, I know you guys use a lot of forks, so we brought you some. Like, things like that. Where you you so much. Where it's like, and then you have people who, <laughs> who won't help. It's just, it's so interesting to see both sides, because I feel like I live two different worlds, but it's so interesting to see that I see more giving, more love in those spaces when they they I feel like their lives would justify the complete opposite. Right. And then you have people who you don't understand how, whose they, lives how they've become, giving. How they've become so selfish. And and that's how it all it's always been, the people with less give the most. And
0: it's it's so true. And it's so fascinating, I think, with social media today, too. The separateness has gotten... It's just funny because they say, now we're so connected, but you're not really. You're just visually connected. But as far as, like, emotionally being present and connecting, I feel like nobody is. And nobody Mm -hmm. has to even gain the skill set anymore to do it. So you don't even have to practice connecting. And it's so sad you can really choose, like, who you want to be with, who you want to ignore, who you want to hang out with. Like, it's very easy to feel like you have a very full life in a very narrow way.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's what's so cool. Like, Yeah. And I think that there is a separation. I feel like the beauty that I've found in social media is being able to narrate people's stories in a different way. And you can spread a message. Yes. And I think that being able to show people who are homeless, their names, their stories, sharing them on social media has been very beautiful for us because it's showing a completely different side. You know, you see, you see all, you know, you see people put up pictures of homeless people with their signs and it's just like this horrible, this horrible um, presentation, but then having a video of someone who's so appreciative of a meal or, you know, just lighting up. Like you see a different energy when you get to see someone in motion, love and not focusing on their poverty, but on their joy, on their love. Because that's what we get a lot of, you know? You, you have this, just this beautiful gratitude that comes from just feeding people and loving them. Because it's just all love. When we it's come up, love. you would think it's, I always, I, I was joking with them the other day because it felt like a play, like a Broadway play because everyone was running up like, hello, can I help you? What can I do? I want to hug. Like everyone was just, it was very musical like one day. Like we got there, we were like 30 minutes late. And I think that there was a moment where people felt like come. we weren't going to show up. So there was this like we had been so consistent, but they were looking for that one disappointment because they're so used to it. And so we showed up. It was like that. Oh, my God, like they're here. And it was like, sorry, we just it took longer to cook today, blah, blah, blah. But it was crazy because 30 minutes later, then everyone showed up like in a completely different energy because something in their heart, they felt like, oh, my God, they're not going to show up today because they look forward to us. They look forward. And it's so crazy because I had left when my mother had gotten sick. Um, I had left for a couple months. I had to like, obviously abruptly leave. And when I came back, you would have thought they saw a ghost. They were like, where were you? A guy was like, I lost 15 pounds because you haven't been here for a couple months. Like, where did you go? And it was this idea of like, so people were hurt. And it was like, no, I would never leave you. I would never forget because there's also trauma there. So, you know, being the imagine being the only consistent thing in someone's life. And it's a meal. And it's a meal. It's bringing a meal. It's a yoga class. It's a and micro And that's the gesture. only consistency that someone has. And that's what they have to hold on to to change their life. That's their mustard seed of hope.
0: So the takeaway today is micro gestures, small, little, tiny
1: acts of kindness can every change. Every day. Every single day. Daily micro gestures. days. Mindfulness intention. You have to... Put yourself in a space. I'm going to put myself, I'm going to bring love to someone, a stranger. That's what I do every day in my head. Once a day. Once a day. Wherever I'm at, there's someone I'm going to be kind to. I'm going to get on this elevator where there's this awkward energy and shift it and say, I like your dress. Yep. You know, like these Just going to smile at the person walking by it changes everything and, and it, it shifts the energy. And it's sad that
0: we have to put so much intention on it. It's not natural, but you know it. That's the fact. So let's do it. Yeah, let's well, we practice becomes it. a habit
1: and then our habits become innate over time. Yeah. So it you practice it every day, it'll become innate. Yeah. Then you'll forget what it was like to not do those things. I mean, it's
0: that's so amazing speaking with you. Your take on love and beauty and purity, actually, of all people is just so refreshing and loving. And I really hope people who listen to this again, do a random act of kindness and a small micro gesture every single day. Again, it's small. You just heard all the examples she gave and it will really shift everything. And can you quickly go down where people can find you and how they can get involved?
1: Oh yeah. So our Instagram is lunchonme. Our website is lunchonme.org and you can find us on Facebook, which is Lunch On Me Challenge. And you guys are looking for, there's so many different ways to give. Oh yes. Our change Makers Pledge. It starts literally at $10 a month. Um, And it's all about consistency. And you guys can pledge whatever. You pick the amount that you want to pledge to help us. Um, We're at 89 cents a meal. So that's how much it costs us to um, make our meals now, which is amazing. It started at $5, $3. dollars 89 To do hot, organic meals. We've gotten really, really great at um, redirecting waste. 70% of it is redirected. 30% is purchased. And then we use biodegradable products. So a a bulk of our money also goes into biodegradable because it's so expensive. But we're trying to help the environment as well. As well. And, um, so those are ways that you can help. You can purchase our merch. We have love without reason shirts, um, hats. They're all on the website. So there's a lot of different ways that you can, if you're in LA come, if you want to host an event in your city, message us. And you know, that's something you guys can do as well. Absolutely. I was thinking the whole
0: time. I'm like, there's so many things the den can do. So I can't wait till yes. like, I collaborate with you. Yes.
1: I thought that as soon as I came in here, I was like, oh, we're going to do something. Hey, yeah, hey, really I did like too. Concert. I'm like, we're totally going to do something. It. It's
0: great. Well, thank you. Everyone stick around because she is going to have her personal practice. But I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really
1: appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you guys for having us.
0: And now LaRae is going to do her personal practice, which is a message on gratitude.
1: So my mother would always say to me that we do not have bad days. If you had a bad day, you weren't looking hard enough. Um, It comes from just being mindful and... Every day, every day when I come home, I reevaluate my day. I reevaluate how I approached my day, my perspective and how I participated in it and the energy I brought to it. And I like to shift my day. So when something bad happens, I look for the small things that made it important that those things happen so that we can embrace our challenges and to recognize that they're one brief moment and we're supposed to acknowledge them and move on. So again, we don't have bad days. We just have to look harder to find the goodness within them. <music>
0: Dentalks is produced by Michael Burke, Mike Burns, Reem Edan, Nicole Rappi, and music by Alex Fetter.